Did I hear a huge sigh coming from this side of the room? I just laughed. I'm just sitting there like, they're not have a chance. They're not going to win a game. Oh, but do they have a chance? No, I didn't think they did. Even when they had to lead, I was like, Milwaukee's going to win a game. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. Before we start, I just want to share an experience that I had last night. I have these experiences where I go, whoa, I'm, I'm kind of getting old. Like I, I feel like, whoa, I, that's something an old person would do. Um, so last night, I'm watching the Warriors and the Nuggets in bed, which there's checkbox number one that you're getting old is I'm watching TV in bed. I'm, I'm sitting up, my back against the headboard, my laptop in my lap with my blankets wrapped up. Like I'm Grandpa Joe. <laughs> I'm watching the end of Warriors Nuggets. That's an old person thing to do in and of itself. But then as I'm laying there, I realize as I'm scheduling and working on some things for, for work and the show today, I'm like, oh my God, tomorrow's 420. I had no idea. Because if you're young and hip and with it and you're with a young crowd, that's the day you plan for. Let me tell you, you plan that day. You get some free time. You want to go on a hike. You want to do something outside. You want to get together with friends. You planned for 420. Wasn't even on my radar. I'm like, oh my God, I'm not cool. I'm old. And then I realized that 420 is Wednesday. So I didn't even have the day right, which is another old person thing to do. So I was going through it last night before bed, watching the end of Warriors Nuggets, which was an excellent game. Maybe we'll talk about it for a few minutes at some point tonight. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Tomorrow is 420. Not today. We got to work in a 420 joke or theme or something into tomorrow's show. If anyone has ideas, let me know. I'm glad you're here. We're going to talk Brewers tonight, as promised. We're going to talk Draft and Packers tonight, as promised. We're going to do a little NBA because I was putting the show together today, and it was my goal to, for the most part, avoid NBA because we're going to talk about NBA on Thursday for the NBA Lounge. We're going to talk about it tomorrow, more Bucks and Bulls. And the NBA playoffs go for another two months. So it was my goal, and I said this yesterday, and I said this on Ebo's show this morning too, I don't want to overdo it with the NBA talk. However, Nuggets and Warriors last night was just such an awesome, interesting, fun game, and it'll be fun to talk about. So I do want to chat about that for just a little bit in the second half of the show. But other, other than that, mostly Brewers and mostly Packers today. I'd love for you to join me. 608-796-2558. That's the phone number, a call, or a text. Both work. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, and tweet me at Wisco Grant as well. Uh, programming note, uh, for, you may care, you may not care. Um, Mike Renner is going to be on the show tomorrow. Pro Football Focus's lead draft analyst. Uh, he just released his final big board today, which is 250 players, which is, I think, pretty good timing. So we'll talk about that tomorrow. I want to ask him questions. Some guests I have on, and I'm like, man, I'm going to get him to agree with me on this. I'm going to get them to see it this way. With Mike, it's going to be different. I'm just going to be, hey, uh, (laughs) explain this to me. Why is this wide receiver here on your big board? But I look at other big boards and and the player is way higher, way lower. We're going to be natural question askers tomorrow to Mike, who is very, very smart, the lead draft analyst for Pro Football Focus. There's uh, not very many people that are better than him. There might not be any people better than him at what he does. So tomorrow he will join us at 4.15, about 24 hours from now. So mark it down. I want to start with Brewers Pirates. The Brewers could have won last night 10 to nothing. 
and I don't know that we would be leading the show with it today. The Pirates stink. You know, whatever. Win 10 to nothing, win 10 to 5, put up a bunch of runs. Not a huge deal, right? Eric Lauer, who started the game for the Brewers last night, could have pitched seven shutout innings. Struck out a bunch of guys. Yeah, sure, nice. That's good. That's good. But we probably wouldn't have started the show with it today because the Pirates stink. Pirates are, Pirates are a really bad team. Did you watch last night? Did you watch the game last night or did you listen on the radio? If you did, pipe down for a second. Those of you who didn't watch last night, test yourself and I'll do the same. How many Pirates can you name off the top of your head? <laughs> if you didn't watch last night, if you watched last night, then you should have a couple names in your brain. But if you didn't watch last night, how many Pirates can you name? Go. Now, if I were doing this exercise, which obviously we can't talk to each other right now, but I will go through this. I would get Cabrian Hayes because he just signed that big deal, big extension not too long ago. He's a bright spot for them. And I would have gotten Daniel Vogel back because my dad and I looked up this weekend where he's playing and we we're like, oh, yeah, that's right. He's in Pittsburgh. Honestly, other than that, I got nothing. Starling Marte, is he still there, huh? <laughs> Jacob Stallings? I don't, I don't know. The guy with that weird lizard scale arm tattoo, Stephen Brault, was that his name? Are those guys still there? I don't know. I looked up today, and, and obviously I watched last night, so I recognize a couple of these guys. Not many. Uh, I remember Brian Reynolds. He's a name that I know from previous years. And I guess now Jake Marisnik plays for the Pirates. Nice. Good for... Good for Pittsburgh. That's it. Pittsburgh stinks. And there's not really a result that would have made last night's game newsworthy. There was no way that this game was going to play out in such a way that made me run into the studio today and say, oh, my God, we got to talk about this. However, a Christian Yelich Grand Slam. Now, now you have my attention. Now that's that's something we can start the show with. Fly ball deep right. Yelich's first of the year is a I was hoping for a little bit more from Levering, but then again, let the moment breathe. Let the crowd get into it. That's only six seconds. Fly ball deep right. Yelich's first of the year is a grand slam. Fourth inning, bases loaded. Yelich comes up to the plate, and we were all thinking the same thing. We were all of us were. I know you were. Whether you were listening on the radio, whether you were watching on Valley Sports Wisconsin, this game might have been on ESPN Plus if I remember seeing that on the dashboard of my Amazon Smart TV, or a Fire Stick. It's not an Amazon TV, but, a, but the Fire Stick. Right, I think so. They were on ESPN, too. However you were watching or consuming this game, we were all thinking the same thing. We are thinking, oh, God, here we go. <laughs> Two outs. Yelich with the runners on. Here we go. Here comes the ground out, right? We've seen this a million times the last two years. Mostly because Yelich hits third, right? The lineup kind of puts him in the spot naturally. Yelich isn't their worst hitter by any stretch, but I think of everyone in the lineup, he's the guy I don't want up in a situation like this with runners in scoring position, especially with two outs. Give me Jace Peterson. Give me Omar Narvaez. Give me Colton Wong. Because Yelich's failures in big spots are much more pronounced. It's like they're in capital letters. It's like they jump off the screen. When Yelich fails to come through with runners in scoring position, they're like, ah. Whereas if Narvaez pops out, it's like, yeah, it's only the third inning. We got time. Right? It hurts more when Yelich fails in those moments compared to other players on the roster. So to see him smash a grand slam like that, that felt good. Oh, that felt good. Felt good for fans. I can only imagine how good it felt for Yelich and for the rest of the dugout, too. And I thought, 
Jeff Levering and Bill Schroeder did a really good job of outlining that on the broadcast. Bill Schroeder's like, how good do you think everyone else in the dugout feels? Forget about Christian Yelich for a second. Let's think about everyone else in the dugout. His friends, his teammates, right? They need him. They rely on him. And Rock did not shy away from pointing that out. You know, I think Brewers fans, we want to see Yelich succeed. And I think sometimes we've been a little worn out the last two years because it he's slumping. We want to see Yelich get back to the best version of himself, even if that doesn't mean winning MVPs. We know there's a better player in there than what we've seen. And Brewers fans, I hope it doesn't come across like we don't like the guy. We do. No one wants to see Christian Yelich succeed more than Brewers fans. And his teammates. Rock really didn't pull any punches saying, hey, his teammates need this from him. They're happy. They're thrilled. They're relieved. Because they know that this team, if Yelich isn't hitting for power and hitting for production, this team has a ceiling, which is something we talked about last week. Like, this team can win a lot of games. But if they don't have that MVP boomstick in the middle of the lineup, I I don't know if they can really achieve their goals of making and competing for a World Series. Now, before I start drawing conclusions about this or spewing takes about what last night means... We'll hear a little bit from Craig Council on Christian Yelich's big night. I think we're really early in the season here. You know, I mean, I, I understand why everybody wants, we all want, you know, to see good things from him. Um, and it was, he did it, he had a good, he had a nice game. He had a really good game tonight. But I, just let's let him play and, and, and see where we're at. And he's doing a nice job. Had a big night tonight and huge hit. Too early to draw conclusions. I agree. The Brewers have played what, 11 games? I think they're six and five now. Yeah. Last night, getting over the, the watermark, the 500 mark. Well done, Brewers. Getting this, getting to six and five, I can whew, can breathe again. I'm not going to look at the standings, but getting over 500. He also had a double last night. He had a double over the weekend that almost was a home run, right below the top of the wall. He's been hitting the ball harder, and maybe when we get a week farther into the season or two weeks farther in, maybe we'll look a little bit at Statcast and Baseball Savant, and we can look at exit velocity numbers and launch angle. I don't know if we have a reasonable sample size yet, but hopefully in a month or two or even in a week or two, we look at the numbers from this season, which is a small sample compared to last year and the year before. And hopefully we see that the bat is kicking the ball out a little bit faster or the ball is coming off the bat a little bit faster than we've seen the last two years. Craig Council continues on Christian Yelich. I think all he can do is put everything on the table every day to, to, to be the best player that he can. And, and that, he does that every single day. And that, that's all you can ask from a player. You know, there's no question that we need him to perform to reach our goals. But, but he's doing everything he can every day to, to, to try to get there and to try to be that productive hitter that uh, he, he knows he's capable of. He's doing it all every day. It's too early to draw conclusions. You heard it from Craig Council. I don't mean to make this into a big thing. I'm by no stretch saying that Yelich is fixed. But things are looking better than they've looked at least for a bit, the last two seasons. Two tweets that I saved today from two friends of the show. Kurt Hogue covers the Brewers for the Journal Sentinel and Ben Kenny, here on Kenny and Heilprint on Thursday nights and the Thrill Michaels show during the day. Ben tweeted today, or uh, last night rather, that was Christian Yelich's first home run, regular season, postseason, and spring training since the day before Notre Dame beat Wisconsin at Soldier Field. Jeez, you remember that game? Remember I was at Bluffside Tavern. The sun was shining. The lineys was flowing. It was a beautiful day. Kurt tweeted, Christian Yelich has four doubles and one homer this season in 10 games. Last year, it took him 29 games to reach five combined homers and doubles. Again, 
Not saying Yelich is fixed, but things are looking better than at least they looked last year and the year before. I was on Ebo's show this morning on The Zone, as I do every Tuesday at 7.40. And Ebo and I and Rowdy, we talked about what a home run like that could mean. We are just spitballing. Like, could that could that start something? Could get, get the ball rolling for Yelich a little bit? I, honestly, I forgot completely until this morning that Yelich broke his kneecap in 2019. I forgot all about it. I was listening to a radio show this morning. I was listening to, after being on with Ebo and, and doing his show for a while, I tuned into our friend Bart Winkler. Eh, what's Bart saying? I forgot that he broke his kneecap. I'm glad Bart brought that up because I forgot that happened. Deadass forgot that happened until this morning. 2020... He was probably still getting over that kneecap just a little bit. And the season was only 60 games long, which we don't talk about it enough. We don't talk about how insane the bubble was in the NBA. And we don't talk about how insane playing only 60 games was. That's a third of the games. That's like in the NFL if we played a six-game schedule. How would we have judged this season for Patrick Mahomes through only six games, right? Or Aaron Rodgers. Imagine that New Orleans game and what a big percentage of the season that would have been if the season was only six games long, right? 60 games. So 2020, I don't know that you can take a whole lot away from that. That was a pandy shortened season. 2021, he has a back injury to start the year, and he never really got right. I don't know if he failed to get right last year because his back was acting up, because his confidence was bad, because he had something wrong with his mechanics, a combination of all of those things, whatever. 2019, he breaks his kneecap. 2020, he didn't really have a full season to deal with it. 2021, he starts the year with a back injury and he wasn't able to pull out of it. Whether that was the injury or something else, who knows? Now to start this season, I think we can assume that he's healthy. I remember reading comments in spring training and at the beginning of the season, this is the best Yelich has felt in a couple seasons. Okay, that's great. We can assume that he's healthy. We can remember, he hasn't played A-plus or even B-plus baseball in three years. The kneecap season at the end of 2019, which was an unreal season, 2020, and now 2021. I can't say for sure that this is a confidence issue. I don't think anybody can. I don't even know if Christian Yelich can say that. I don't know if he knows. Baseball's a weird game. I can't say for sure that this is a confidence issue, but I'm looking at all parts of this equation. I'm looking at all the variables and the timing of everything. Unless there's some secret injury we don't know about something that happened in the offseason. This has got to be a confidence thing. And Grand Slam should help that, right? That'll go a long way into helping a confidence thing, hitting one at home. Confidence is something that compounds on itself, I believe. I experienced this with my job. Um, some shows are really, really good, and then some shows are just ho-hum. Like, sometimes I leave the studio at night thinking, ah, like, I, I didn't do a great job tonight. Like, I don't I don't really know if I if I worked hard enough to try to come up with interesting things to talk about. I don't know if I prepared enough at this or that or, or whatever. Some shows are awesome. And I leave the studio and I think, hell yeah, that was great. Can't wait to come back tomorrow. And then sometimes I leave the studio like, eh, not my best. Right. But if I have one great show, let's say it's Monday and I come in and the Packers just had this game and we talk about it and the phones are lighting up and we're throwing zingers back and forth and we got a guest and that guest is dropping knowledge and the, everything's tight and I'm not tripping over my words. It's a great show. Woo! It's easy to parlay that into Tuesday and Wednesday because I come in on Tuesday and say, hey, remember all the awesome stuff that we talked about and the fun conversation we had yesterday? Yeah, we're going to keep that going today. Here we go. It's easy to keep the confidence going once you have it. But if I have one bad show, like if I come in on Monday after a Packer game and I leave the studio on Monday and I think, oh, that kind of stunk. 
well, it wasn't the best show ever. When I come in the next day and I turn the mic on on Tuesday, it already feels like I'm in a hole. It's like, all right, I got to dig myself out of this. I'm already starting from behind. Confidence is something that compounds on itself, right? So if Yelich can have a home run last night and he can put together a good game tonight and tomorrow, it, it just snowballs, right? It builds on itself. It's like compounding interest. So we'll see. That's one good thing about confidence. If you can just get a little bit, it's easy to turn it into more and more and more and more. Hope that's the case with Christian Yelich. Let's take a break. I want to talk more about the Brewers offense, including a big variable that has really told the story of the Brewers offense, good or bad, for the last four or five games. Let's talk about that next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. show my name is grant bills twitter at wisco grant if you want to text and or call 608-796-2558 jeremy in eau claire long time listener first time texter we love that jeremy says i'm having withdrawals without the nba lounge last thursday we're gonna do some nba stuff in the second half of the show big nba lounge on thursday already planning a couple fun things i want to talk about jeremy if for whatever reason you can't listen live in the five o'clock hour maybe you're driving home now uh, and you're going to have family dinner you're going to do something check it out on the podcast i'll post it just after six o'clock i want to talk about last night's warriors nuggets game talk a little bit about the mvp wisco chad ben gamel vogelback is ben gamel still on the pirates ben gamel i was looking at their active roster um, he is. He's still there. I wonder if he's hurt or something right now. I miss Starling Marte, Jacob Stallings, <laughs> some of those names that I can't get out of my head. Who once played for the Pittsburgh Pilots? Clint Hurdle over there on the railing, smacking his gum around. It's just uh, NL Central culture. That's what that is. Thank you for the text, Wisco Chad. 608 talked about how later in the show I want to talk about the Nuggets and Nikola Jokic who's going to win the MVP and how I don't really like it it's not really an anti-Jokic thing maybe it's starting to be an anti-Jokic thing I don't know I'll explain myself in about an hour or so Jokic is big with advanced stats right box score plus minus win shares right and it's not like these are witchcraft like they're reasonable stats and if we took five minutes we could learn and understand them but that's not what I want to talk about Right, maybe we'll do some advanced stats later on in the show. I want to talk about a stat in baseball that's not an advanced stat. It's a very simple stat, but the last five days have showed us that it's a very important stat, at least for the Brewers. It's walks. Walks, 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 walks. Big time important. Walks, walks, walks. There was a Q&A after Sunday's game, the one that the Brewers won, I think, 6-5 to five over the Cardinals. And... A reporter asked Craig Council about walks, and I saved this. I knew we would talk about this at some point this week. I will play it for you right now. Here it is. What does it say about your offense right now where walks basically factored into every run, either by scoring or by extending that inning to allow for the hits to come through? Yeah, I mean, it's. I think that's offense in today's game. It's, it's, it's not always, you know... It's stringing together hits it's 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 the walks that sometimes start them or, or even finish them and, and like the, the jace peterson inning i thought well, make it bad and willie's at bat so um 
it, it, you got to take what the pitcher gives you. Um, ball strike decisions, and that's still at the core of the game. Um, we did a good job of it today. That they did a good job of it today too. Um, that's why, unfortunately, it was a long game <laughs> uh, with with a lot of a lot of base runners. Okay, I want to keep talking about this first. I have to address something. Chad texted in. Chris texted in about it as well. I didn't know Ben Gamble was on the Pirates this year because yesterday was the first time I watched the Pirates. I guess he batted in the ninth inning. I didn't watch the ninth inning. I think at the end of the seventh or the middle of the eighth, I turned on Warriors Nuggets. I'm sorry. So Ben Ben Gamble hit last night. I was not watching by then. I watched through, let's see, the Grand Slam and then about three more innings. About the seventh, I turned it off. I figured they had it in hand. I wanted to watch basketball. So sorry. I didn't watch the ninth. I didn't see Ben Gamble. Did he get a hit? Did he get a hit? How did he do? Fill, fill me in. Maybe I'll look over this commercial break. No, I want to talk about walks and how walks are an important part of scoring. At least it has been an important part of scoring for the Brewers the last couple of days. Let's go back to Sunday's game. Each team in this game, Cardinals, Brewers, they won 6-5. Each team had seven walks. So 14 combined. Yes, another reason why the game took so long, as Council said. I wouldn't have guessed such a high total. That's nuts. The Brewers scored three runs in the first inning, one run in the fourth, two in the seventh. Here's the scoring breakdown. Let's go to the bottom of the first. Wong hit by pitch. Adamas walked. Yelich walked. McCutcheon sack fly. Telez double. Hira sack fly. Narvaez fly out. So there's three runs in this inning, and there's two walks. Adamas and Yelich. Let's go to the third inning. The Brewers scored one run. Yelich grounded out to second. McGround, oh, they didn't score in the third. One in the fourth. Excuse me. We keep, we keep scrolling. Hira singled the left. Narvaez flied out to center. Taylor singled the left. Jace Peterson walked. Wong struck out swinging. Adamas walked. That was the RBI. So two walks in the fourth, two walks in the first. You get in the picture? Let's go to the seventh inning. Brewers scored in the seventh as well. Scored two runs. They took it from a 4-3 lead to a 6-3 lead. Yelich walked. McCutcheon reaches on an infield single. Telez fouled out to third. Hira struck out swinging. Narvaez intentionally walked. Tyrone Taylor doubled the left. Walks, 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 walks. Find the scoring, you'll find the walks. Right, let's look at last night's game. Let's go to the first inning. Play by play. Brewers scored a run in the first and five in the fourth. First inning looked like this. Colton Wong singled to center. Adamas singled to right. Wong scored on a wild pitch. Yelich walked. There you go. There you go. If we go to the inning where Yelich hit the grand slam, uh, which it was the bottom of the fourth, Renfro flied out to center. Narvaez singled to center. Kane doubled. Peterson walked. Wong sack fly. Adamas walked. Yelich homered, and that was the grand slam that made it 2 1 2 6 1. Do you get my point? Maybe I'm just stating the obvious here. Maybe I, I, I've thought that I've stumbled onto something really interesting. And wow, just look at this. If you find the, the scoring, you find the walks. And if you find the walks, you find the scoring. Maybe this is super obvious to everyone else. And you're listening along thinking, Grant, why are you talking about this? This is how baseball works. Maybe, maybe. I, I hope I'm not stating the obvious and you're all thinking less of me because of it. I'm not going to pretend that I'm cutting edge here. But take your walks. Right? There's a reason why Jace Peterson just cannot get off of this team. They can't quit him. He can hit the ball, he can steal little bases, but he gets on base. Walks, singles, whatever. Walking has value. There's a reason you watch Moneyball. It's like, why do we want him? He's old and he can't feel because he gets on base. This is why. 
right? Freddie Peralta on Friday, I believe he pitched. Or was it Saturday? It would have been Friday because Hauser was Saturday. Freddie Peralta comes in and mows down the first two hitters of the game. And then he walks a guy or two and things just go to hell. Falls apart. It's amazing how a walk or two walks, as we've seen with Devin Williams too, can just shake the confidence of a pitcher and put the pitcher in a mess that the pitcher minutes earlier couldn't have even fathomed. Right, Freddie Peralta thought he was going to cruise through that first inning on Friday. He probably cruised through the rest of the game. And then what happened? Oh, he walked a couple of guys and everything went to absolute hell. You know? Walks are important. And and Council talked about this last season, too. He was asked about the obsession with the home run and with doubles and with exit velocity and launch angle. And he said, look, nobody strings together singles anymore. It's really hard to do in today's game. So you need to supplement your offense in other ways. Hitting back-to-back-to-back-to-back home runs to put up a bunch of runs, that's probably not a a very uh, realistic way to go about your offense. Mixing in multiple doubles and triples in an inning, probably not that realistic either. But if you can have a single and a walk and a double, okay, a little bit of everything, a little fruit salad of baseball offense. That'll work. That'll work. Now, three or four singles might be unrealistic. Two or three home runs, that's unrealistic, but... A boom and a home run, little little bloop with a single, a walk mixed in there as well. That's how you, at least right now, that's how the Brewers are creating modern offense and they're drumming up offense, sometimes out of thin air. This offense sometimes feel like it's only thin air because it's not very good. It hasn't been very good. Let's take a break. I want to talk about the draft. I want to talk about the Packers. I did some looking into wide receivers today, and I have questions. Let me tell you what. We'll do that coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, my name is Grant Bills, and I am so sorry. I'm so sorry, okay? Getting texts coming in. Yeah, okay, Ben Gamble's on the on the Pirates. I did not know this because I didn't watch the last inning or two of the game last night. I switched over to the Warriors game. I know now that he had an at-bat in the ninth inning. I did not see it because I switched off of the game. It was over. I didn't need to see. You know what? I, I feel like I've done you a disservice. Let's look at the play-by-play. L- l- let, me, let me fill myself in. Uh, bottom of the ninth uh, or the top of the ninth. Uh, Urania was pitching for Milwaukee, it looks like. Uh, ben Gamble grounded out to first. Tucker grounded out to first. And Cabrian Hayes flied out to center. Okay, good to know. That's what I missed. Now I know. Ooh, Rowdy Telez uh, got pinch hit for in the eighth. Here is struck out. By the way, my take that Rowdy Telez might be sneaky, exciting, all-star fringe guy in the first half. Uh, interesting. Interesting. Not off the table. Had a couple RBI doubles over the last couple of days, some home runs. Don't look now. Maybe, maybe we were onto something. Probably not, but maybe. You never know. I want to talk Packers draft, and I would love for you to be a part of that. Please join me. Give me a call. Send me a text. 608-796-2558. Twitter, at Wisco Grant. If that works better for you, if you're on Twitter, you can follow me, tweet me there, DM me, whatever. Get connected with the show. Just find me on Twitter. Follow me, at Wisco Grant. Let's do draft. Now, I'm not a big draft guy, all right? 
Let me clarify what I mean by that. I I like the draft. It's not that I, it's, I'm not interested in it. That's not it. I love the drama of the top 10. What teams are going to do at the top? Are they going to trade up, trade down? Are they going to move for a quarterback? Who's the number one? Is the team like the Giants going to do something stupid and take Saquon Barkley, right? I love the drama of the top 10, the drama of the quarterbacks. If I sports bet, which I don't, I would be betting draft props. It's a very profitable enterprise. I would always bet strikeout overs uh, for the starting pitcher that's going against the Brewers, too. That seems to be it seems to be a good way to make some money. I don't, however, do mo- dozens of mock drafts and read other people's mock drafts and look at player grades and relative athletic score and wingspan 40 times. I'm not exaggerating. I don't think there is a thing on this planet about which I care less than 40 times. I don't care. I, I always say this time of year, I think that at the Combine, you should have guys run a 400. Have them run a mile. Let's, let's make it a track meet. That would be entertaining. Those times I would care about. 40-yard dash, I don't... Oh, Grant, this wide receiver ran a four. I don't care. Sorry. <laughs> I just, I don't. This is nothing for me. This is nothing for me. I like the draft, but I, I like it to a degree. I like it to a reasonable degree. Now, as far as the Packers go... This year is more interesting because they have four picks in the top 60. They have 22 and 28. They have 53 and they have 59. The higher of both of those picks came from Vegas in the Devontae Adams deal, right? We've talked about this. I want two wide receivers in the first four rounds, but I know that that is a dumb game to play. Normally, I'm pretty conservative with how much emotion I invest into... um, into wanting a certain player. I don't get my hopes up for specific guys. I've also learned to not get my hopes up with certain positions, especially wide receivers. This year, I, I might fall into that trap, but normally I don't, right? Don't get your hopes up for wide receivers. It's the hope that kills you. It's the hope that kills you. And there's always somebody. We had it yesterday with Kyle Brandt on Good Morning Football. It's like, hey, did you know the Packers haven't taken a wide receiver in the first round since Javon Walker? Yes, I know that. Everyone on earth knows that. I hear that every day, and I've heard it every day for the last four years of my life. Everyone who drops that nugget thinks they're, they've, they've stumbled onto something gold. You know what I mean? Like like Ben Kenny uh, from Bill Michael's show, Kenny and Heilpern on The Zone. I shared his tweet. He tweeted this last night. I thought it was great. He said that Christian Yelich home run, regular season, postseason, and spring training, that was his first home run since the day before Notre Dame beat Wisconsin at Soldier Field. That's nuts. That's an interesting nugget. Everyone loves to use that Javon Walker thing, and they think that they've that they've just written Stairway to Heaven by sharing that. Did you know that the Packers haven't drafted a first-round wide receiver since Javon Walker? Yes, everyone does. Every single person knows that. We've heard it a bunch, okay? The Packers need to take at least one wide receiver in the first round. I want two in the top four picks. I'll probably get a tackle and a safety, and I'll have to like it, and I'll hate everything. Again, I played this rant. We just mentioned this uh, this this previously mentioned rant by Kyle Brandt yesterday. He was on Good Morning Football talking about how the Packers should take a wide receiver. Hell, they should take two. Since Javon Walker, 19 years ago, and now two picks, 
reasonable picks. Not like you have the five and the seven and one who's on red. Way back there in the 20s, you are gifted these two picks in a year that is turgid with wide receiver talent. For the love of God, will you please break this streak? It is the longest streak in the history of the modern draft, 19 years. Please take a wide receiver. I'm not even going to push it and say take two and get crazy, although you should to cover your bets and just hope that one hits. But they have this thing where they're so spoiled, and I almost think they like the streak and that they're proud of the streak. Is it? We don't do this as a company. You don't win Super Bowls either. It's been a long time. Wow. You have Rodgers and you have Favre. Help them. Help them help you. You have two picks. Please spend one of them on a wide receiver. I don't think that's crazy to ask. Are you watching the game? Show Are you watching the where the league is going? Show Are you watching what's going in the offseason? First of all, he doesn't get to drag the Packers for not winning Super Bowls. Uh, we won one in 2010. Uh, and another one in the 90s, and we have 13 world championships. So you, Kyle Brandt, not a Packer fan, not a Packer owner, you don't get to, no, 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 back off, okay? But now, I can drag my own team for underachieving in the last decade. You can't, all right? You cannot. Kyle Brandt is a Chicago Bears fan. So you, no, 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 no. Every other part of his rant, actually quite enjoyed. Found it entertaining. And I totally vibe with the idea that the Packers take pride in that streak. Totally. Speaking of which, hey, did you guys know that the Packers haven't taken a wide receiver in the first round since Javon Walker? Did you know that? I just want to make sure everyone knows that. I weirdly agree with Kyle Brandt that the Packers take some sick sense of pride in that streak. Tr- truly, I do. I actually believe that that's a thing for them and that Gutekunst and them laugh about it in the top of the Lambeau Field atrium in their offices or wherever they do their work. I don't know. seems like you could do the GM job from home this time of the year, but... Maybe Brian Gutekinds likes to get out of the house. Maybe he likes to go to the office. I don't know. He's got a got a fridge there. He can get away from the house and just, just be in the peace and quiet to do player evaluations or spreadsheets or whatever GM does this time of year. I don't know. But I do weirdly think that they take pride in that streak of not taking wide receivers in the first round. I also love the point that Kyle Brandt makes at the very end of that. Look around the league. Right? Look around the rest of the NFL. What's working? What trends are really working? Wide receivers. You can have wide receivers. Wide receivers are really important. Just from uh, an X's and O's standpoint, wide receivers are really important. But even past that, now you're seeing how expensive star wide receivers are getting. So it becomes even smarter to take them in the draft when you can get such a good value for the first couple of years of their career, right? Everything in the current football landscape is trending. Wide receivers, wide receivers, wide receivers, right? Look at the teams that were in the final four. L.A., Cooper Cup, Odell Beckham Jr. They also had Robert Woods. He got hurt, I know. Cincinnati played their way into a Super Bowl behind Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, C.J. Uzama. Kansas City, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey. You could argue that they have been limited the last two years because they haven't had another guy with those guys. They lost Sammy Watkins and never really figured out what to do. Mecole Hardman never really made it work. The Niners have Debo, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, and they have Juwan Jennings, who I believe... I saw, did he get signed or something today? They extended him or let me see. Am I even thinking of the right guy? Jawan Jennings. Is that his name? Am I thinking of the right guy? Uh, San Fran. I'm going to fact check myself here. Um, oh, I typed Jeggings. <laughs> Whoops. Jennings. Denim leggings are pretty stylish though. Oh yeah. 49ers. Resign restricted free agent. They tender exclusive right free agent, Juwan Jennings. Okay, I was right. So they are retaining him. He had a big game for them towards the end of the year in the Rams. He was really important down the stretch. 
forget about the Jeggings and Joan Jennings. The league is trending wide receiver heavy. You need multiple weapons, right? Whether it be tight end, wide receiver, running back, yes, but wide receiver is the easiest way to throw the ball around the yard and move the ball down the field, right? Mike Patton himself said it. It's faster to fly to Miami than it is to walk there, right? Well, San Francisco did walk there to the tune of 200-plus yards in the NFC Championship game, but I guess, Mike Patton, in theory, you were right. You big, bald bastard, I guess you were right. The Packers need wide receivers. It's the way that the league is trending. And I know they have two good pass-catching running backs, but you can have good running backs and good wide receivers. You can do that. It is allowed. Cincinnati has Joe Mixon. Kansas City has Clyde Edwards. (laughs) Okay, that's a joke. San Francisco always has good running backs, right? You can have both. You can have wide receivers and running backs. Go ahead, take some wide receivers. It's not against the rules. Packers need to draft the wide receiver or like three, (laughs) preferably. One prospect I can't figure out, and I'm very excited to talk to Mike Renner tomorrow, Pro Football Focus. I'm intrigued because Traylon Burks, the wide receiver from Arkansas, just pops up all over draft boards. And it just depends on whose board you're looking at, right? His stock varies so much depending on who you ask. The Athletic. Their big board that I was looking at, and their football writers have him as their 13th overall prospect. The Ringer and Danny Kelly's draft board had him at 17. Mike Renner had him at his seventh wide receiver. I think the draft board selection spot. He had his 46th best player, 46 out of Arkansas, compared to, what did I say, 13? Look at the wrong sheet. Hold on. 13 from The Athletic, 17th from The Ringer. So it, there's just so much fluctuation with Traylon Burks. I don't, I don't really know why. I don't really know why. So I'm interested to talk to Mike Renner about that. Some other names, George Pickens, Alec Pierce, two names that I keep seeing linked to the Packers, and I'm interested to have that conversation with Mike tomorrow as well. Let's take a break. We can keep talking Packers draft. I want to get back into the Brewers at 5 o'clock, so get ready for that. I'd love to hear from you on anything. You want to talk Brewers, Packers? We're going to do some NBA stuff later on in the show. Hit my line, 608-796-2558. Wisco Sports Show back in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. show my name is grant bills i started the show back at four o'clock by saying i felt old last night uh because i was watching the game in bed with my laptop and i realized or so i thought that tomorrow which is today now was 420 i was like what the heck i didn't even know i forgot because you know you're young and hip and with it you know you're making plans for 420 that's an event well i was wrong about the day I didn't even realize 420 was coming up, and I was watching the game in bed. So, all old person things. Uh, Another old person thing I have to share with you. When I was in my hometown this weekend, I had left my slow cooker the last time I was in town at a friend's house. (laughs) And I I went to go get it. So, I'm picking up a slow cooker. Uh, And then when I got there, turns out that they were having a garage sale. And they're like, do you want any of this? I'm like, no, I got to move pretty soon, so I'm good. And they're like, well, at least take this. And it was an unwrapped Jimmy Buffett CD. (laughs) So we have a slow cooker. We have a CD. uh, And least of all, it's 
Jimmy Buffett, which is as old person as it gets. Well, for those of you who listen to Jimmy Buffett, I know we have uh, members of the crowd that is uh, that are deadheads. Uh, you got you to gotta find this album. It's on Spotify or buy the CD. I like Jimmy Buffett CDs. It's from 1990. It's called Feeding Frenzy. It's awesome. Uh, it has the song The City on it, which is a Mac McAnally song, which is really underrated. Great Last Mango in Paris. Uh, really good Come Monday. The 90s were just electric. One of my biggest regrets in life is not being born earlier and not being able to go to Jimmy Buffett concerts in the 90s because, God, they just seemed electric. Uh, but that, anyways, get back to my, my main point. I am getting older, and you should listen to that Jimmy Buffett album because it's very good. Give me a call or a text. Please, if you want to talk about anything else, 608-796-2558. If you're on Twitter uh, and you want to reach out and be a part of the show that way as well, you can find me on Twitter at Wisco Grant. Let's talk to you, Ryan, in on Alaska. Ryan, what's up? Welcome to the show. Hey, Grant. I'm just enjoying a poke bowl on this lovely Tuesday afternoon. Ooh. And uh, there was a there was some music playing in a break just before you started playing the Stevie Ray Vaughan to mm. and open your show back up. And I was like, what is this? It's awesome, like, disco-y stuff. <laughs> well, I can't, I can't hear it. I'm in the studio by myself, so whatever's playing on KTY or The Zone, uh, I would not know, but it sounds pretty bitchin'. So that is excellent. Sounds like you're having a nice afternoon. I figured that maybe the draft talk would coax uh, a couple specific people to call you being one of them because you're big into the draft. Because I am toxically obsessed with every aspect of it and mock drafting, yes. <laughs> so you tell me, why is Traylon Burks all over every draft board that I look? Some people have him as like wide receiver two or three Mike Renner, who's going to be on the show tomorrow, has him as his 46th player or his 7th best wide receiver. Why is that? What is that? Sure. Um, you know, for me, uh, there there does seem to be an uptick, I think, in the importance for a lot of teams, uh, just from a lot of things I've read uh, about the relative athletic score. Traylon Burks is... Uh, relative athletic score is like 5.78 and I know you're not huge into the the whole these these uh measurables and for good reason sometimes they're just absolutely meaningless uh a lot of people have them comp to AJ Brown because AJ Brown coming out ran like a 452 at the combine your other favorite statistic yeah really uh, the 40 and um but he he has really good um, of course, excellent size. Um, he's 6'3", 225. Uh, he's good at uh, playing big slot. He took a lot of snaps out of the slot, but he can play outside too. And he's really, um, there is some underrated speed there. I think he just had a bad uh, a bad combine. Okay. He, uh, I recall against the Alabama secondary, and you know those guys are a bunch of track stars. Yeah, they're fast. He, pulled away from them on us like a 75 yard touchdown running like catch and run and that must mean that he's got you know some real game speed uh some people i think there's just conflicting reports maybe about just the fact that uh he could have been like a little bit too much the guy that was making the offense go but you could say the yeah. same thing about drake london yeah, for i was USC. gonna say he was he, he was, was really everything. he was the only thing that they did he was just they were doing jump balls to him basically all the time right 
Well, it wasn't too different from uh, Devontae Adams the last two years. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so that's, Packers. that's true. Oh, my God. Right, so, okay, so another guy, and we probably talk about this after the break, too, but George Pickens. Everybody loves George Pickens to the Packers. Is he just a really good blocker? Is that what I'm seeing? I, Mike Renner has him as his number six guy. So unless there's just an absurd run on wide receivers, he's going to be there at 22. Oh, um, yeah, I, there's no question. He, I think he's going to be available in the first round. Mm-hmm. Uh, I honestly, I think he's more of a, a second round talent because yeah. the thing with George Pickens, he had a, a really exciting dynamic, uh, you know, freshman season. He, he obliterated people's expectations and, um, but then he had some injury issues uh, over the next couple seasons. I think uh, coming into the start of the season, he was recovering from a torn ACL, and he made some good plays. I think it, I remember in the title game against Alabama, I think he had one like freaky catch where he just extended way up yeah, into the air. I remember that. And he 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 said personally himself, he he loves watching uh, Devonte Adams. And he studies his releases. and But the thing about Pickens is that he could be a little bit uh, between Marquez Valdez, Scantling, and Devontae Adams in the respect that he's got better deep speed than uh, Adams. Not quite a, not quite MVS or, or close to MVSs, but he could be a better releaser. Uh, and he could just be a good hybrid of the two guys. And he's six three, two hundred pounds, and he ran a uh, a very he, he runs very quick. He runs he very can, fast. He's really good at high pointing the ball. Well, cool. We're gonna have to talk about some of these guys tomorrow. I gotta take a break, Ryan. So I gotta let you go. I appreciate the call and the insight. See, I am not into the draft to the same degree that some people are, like Ryan. And I knew as soon as I saw the number, I'm like, "Yep, that's gonna be Ryan," and he can talk about some of these wide receivers with us. It's also interesting to me how Jamison Williams varies so much in draft position based on whose board that you looked at. Some have him at number one as their wide receiver number one. Some have him six, seven, eight. It's just how we interpret that injury, right? That's really what makes a difference for people. Like, if you are willing to put up with him being injured for a couple of months, then take him as your number one wide receiver. Why not? If you're the Packers and you need help now due to reasons... Uh, maybe Jamison Williams, not the answer. Let's take a break. We'll come back. I want to talk more about the Brewers and get into some NBA stuff, especially about Jokic and the MVP, because I'm hot and bothered about it. Back in two minutes. Did I hear a huge sigh coming from this side of the room? I just laughed. I'm just sitting there like, they're not up a chance. They're not going to win a game. Oh, but do they have a chance? No, I didn't think they did. Even when they had the lead, I was like, Milwaukee's going to win the game. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. I'm going to talk about NBA stuff today. I lied. We're going to at 530 or 545 or whenever we get to it. But I want to talk plenty about the Brewers. And if you want to keep talking about the draft, it's next Thursday. Wide receivers. Talking to Perry Goldstein today. We're going to have to have her on probably next week to talk about the draft. Um, She really likes Dax Hill. 
the safety for Michigan, guy to play in the slot, kind of the next wave. Maybe they don't want to sign Darnell Savage long-term. Maybe they want to let Adrian Amos walk. Look, I know Aaron Rodgers' contract really, really team-friendly, but they're going to be lacking money the next year or two, so they're going to have to make tough decisions. Maybe they go safety. I don't know. If you want to talk about any of that, any position, any part of the draft, I'd love to do that with you. If you want to talk about the Brewers and Yelich's Grand Slam and what that might mean, it might mean nothing. It probably means nothing, right? It's only one play, but who knows? Maybe it could be the start of something. I'd love to chat with you about that as well. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills, and I hope you're having an excellent, awesome day. The sun was actually out today. Unbelievable how that can affect your mood, right? If you're ever having a rough day, look outside. It's probably just because it's cloudy outside. Realize that sunshine outside that'll help cure hangover. It'll help cure a lot of things. So I hope you're enjoying your day. You can call and text if you'd like. At 608-796-2558. You can tweet me at Wisco Grant as well. Rockin' Rick texts in. He says, when Christian hit bombs and average, he was followed by Braun, Jesus, Grandal, Moustakis. A lot of heavy hitters. He probably saw better pitches. Better hitters hit alley to alley. Sweet spot is truly about only two inches of the barrel. Can't hit if the pitches are outside and he's still hitting the ball to right. I don't have cable, so I don't know. Oh, so you're not. <laughs> Joe Maurer lived in left center and hit 320 uh, or better for most years. Very few pitchers or pitches are home run pitches. I'd rather see Christian get hot using the opposite field than make them pay when they do come in. Yeah, that's a good point. Hit for average. Hit up the alleys. Still make good contact, right? I think that's why the last couple of days leading into yesterday were so promising is the ball was coming off the bat quickly. Right, he had that hit earlier this weekend. Yelich came right below the top of the wall, just inches away from a home run. He was so so close. I'm with you. You can't hit a home run every time you go up there. Right? You need to have a foundation to your offense that's not home runs. I think Yelich has that in him, but it's predicated on hitting the ball hard. Like if you're trying to go up the alleys, as you say, Rock and Rick, and I appreciate the text. If you're trying to go up the alleys, you still need to hit the ball hard. I think that's been a big issue for Yelich. It's not just about not hitting home runs. It's about making strong, confident, hard contact. And maybe in a week or two, we'll look at some exit velocities and some launch angles. I don't know if it's worth it to do it only after 10 games. But, you know, maybe give it another week or two or give it a month and compare average exit velocity and what we've seen so far with Yelich compared to last season or the season before because Yelich just wasn't hitting the ball hard. He was rolling over. He was topping the ball. A lot of ground outs. Like when you're driving a, a golf ball off the tee box and you won't keep your nose down. I'd never keep my nose down and I want to look up and watch the ball. Well, then you're going to top the ball and you're going to hit it a hundred yards down the fairway into the grass at best. And it's going to spin the whole way. It's not going to be an efficient play. That's what Yelich's swing the last two seasons has reminded me of. Right? He's topping it. He's just beating it into the ground, and it's not coming confidently off the bat. The exit velocity is not there. Last night, the exit velocity was there. Fourth inning, I believe it was, two outs, bases loaded, and Christian Yelich hit his first home run of the year. Fly ball deep right. Yelich's first of the year is a grand slam. It'll be a grand slam. Pretty good call for Jeff Levering. I like him on TV. The funniest part about this game, and if you were watching, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you weren't watching and you watch a lot of Brewers games, then you still might know what I'm talking about. So Bill Schroeder, <laughs> or Schrader, how do you say it? Rock. 
He has this very unique style of analyzing things. And the best way to realize it is to watch a Brewer game with a Cubs fan or a Cardinals fan. So my best friend, my roommate is a big Cubs fan. And sometimes we'll watch Brewers Cubs games together and we'll watch the Brewers broadcast. And he will notice how snarky rock is, right? And it's hard to describe. It's kind of an if you know, you know type of thing. So let's say if, uh, let's say Javi, Javi Baez is hitting or he would have been hitting for the Cubs and Brandon Woodruff is pitching, right? And it's a strikeout. And Brian Anderson, you know, and here's the one-two pitch. He got him swinging. You know, a second-inning strikeout for Corbin Burns, and there are two down. And then Rock comes in, and Rock's going to say, yeah, I don't know what Baez was thinking there. You look at the replay, that ball not even close to the strike zone. Not even close, right? Like, he he will he will take a dump on anyone. Or, like, he'll point out the obvious, like the ball wasn't a strike, but he'll say it in a way that's kind of not aggressive. It's tough to describe, but if you watch enough of Valley Sports Wisconsin, you probably know what I'm talking about. So last night, Yelich hits this bomb, and we're all celebrating. We're talking about it. I'm looking at Twitter, and the only thing I hear on the broadcast is Rock just berating the Pirates manager, Derek Shelton, for leaving in the righty and not going to his bullpen. Like, he keeps bringing it up. Yelich hit a bomb, and I got I can't help but wonder what Derek Shelton is thinking right now, stuck with his righty, and he got burned, and he just kept bringing it up. And I'm like, Rock, it's the Pirates. Who's in the bullpen? What lefty is waiting in the bullpen? We got we got Trevor Hoffman in his prime back there waiting to come in. I don't remember if Hoffman is ready or lefty. That's not the point. This team stinks, Rock. Like Derek Shelton is not losing sleep tonight over whether or not he left his righty versus lefty to stay in to pitch to Yelich because all of his righties and all of his lefties stink. And I was laughing out loud alone in my house last night watching this game because Rock wouldn't drop it. It was really, really funny. But Yelich hits the bomb, his first home run of the year. Now, Craig Council got out ahead of this thing at the very, very end of the game and in the postgame presser and said, "It's, it's. let's calm down. Let's not draw any conclusions from this. I think we're really early in the season here. You know, I mean, I, I understand why everybody wants, we all want, you know, to see good things from him. Um, and it was, he did it, he had, a good, he had a nice game. They had a really good game tonight. But I, just let's let him play and, and, and see where we're at. And he's doing a nice job. A big night tonight and huge hit. It can't hurt. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like, for 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 those of you, let's say we get excited about this Grand Slam. Oh, yeah, Yelich. Yeah, that looks great. That makes, that makes me happy. That was good to see. And let's say someone comes into the conversation, it's just one game. Oh, my God, he's been bad for two years. You don't overreact to one game. Yeah, well, you know what? Like, would you rather him strike out three times or have a double in a Grand Slam like he did last night? I'll take the double in the Grand Slam. And if it ends up meaning nothing in the long run, okay, that's a bummer, but I... I Rather, I'd, I'd rather have the Grand Slam. Thank you very much. Craig Council saying Yelich is going balls to the walls every day. I think all he can do is put everything on the table every day to, to, to be the best player that he can. And, and that, he does that every single day. And that, that's all you can ask from a player. You know, there's no question that we need him to perform to reach our goals. But, but he's doing everything he can every day to, to, to try to get there and to try to be that productive hitter that uh, he, he knows he's capable of. Yelich is putting the work in. Don't overreact, says Craig Council. Two tweets that I want to share with you because I got a kick out of them both and I saved them and I thought they were fun points of reference for the show today. Kurt Hogue of the Journal Sentinel tweeted, Christian Yelich has four doubles and one homer this season in 10 games. 
Last year, it took him 29 games to reach five combined homers and doubles. Now, Yelich was also hurt at the beginning of last year, right? So that kind of, I think, messed with his moxie, but and that might have messed with his moxie the entire season. And that knee injury from 2019, which I forget about, probably messed with his moxie into 2020 as well. Probably. That mixed with the pandemic and the weird season, right? That probably all played played a part. Excuse me. The other tweet that I wanted to share with you, Ben Kenny, Kenny and Heilprin on The Zone and all across our network, he produces the Thrill Michaels show every day from 11 to 2. He tweeted, that was Christian Yelich's first home run regular season, postseason, and spring training since the day before Notre Dame beat Wisconsin at Soldier Field, which feels like it was forever ago. Well, it was forever ago. It was last fall. I'm pretty sure it was warm outside that day. I remember going to Bluffside Tavern, right at the railroad tracks, bottom of Granddad's Bluff in La Crosse, and just just sipping down 250 mugs of lineys. It was delicious. And the Badgers ended up losing, but I remember, hey, this is nice. I remember the people I was with, I was looking at, I was like, this is nice. We're all getting together again, which has been difficult over stretches the last couple of years. We're taking in a game. And then the fourth quarter really got away from a minute, and it got ugly. But I remember that day. It feels like it was years ago, months and months and months and months ago. It was Yelich's first home run since that day, and that includes regular season, postseason, and spring training. It's been a long time. I think this issue for Yelich is a confidence one. I don't know that to be true. I've never played baseball. Obviously, Yelich himself might not even know this. But look at the variables. Look at look at the equation, right? Let's let's talk about what we do know. Right? Anytime you you solve an equation, you know, scientist here, but you want to look at what well, okay, what do we know? Right? That's how you start the process of solving an equation. Well, we know he broke his kneecap at the end of 2019. We know that 2020 was shortened to only 60 games because of the pandemic. We know that to begin the 2021 season, he had a back injury that we thought might cost him a season. That was bad. It wasn't some minor thing. We thought he might be toast for the entire year. Now he came back, but how much of the back issue was lingering, right? So that's what we know. Broken kneecap in 2019, shortened season in 2020 following that broken kneecap, and bad back in 2021. Okay, well, that's what we know. Now, I would look at those knowns, those givens to this equation and think, okay, takes time to get past that. Also difficult to play baseball through those injuries and coming back from those injuries, right? And that messes with your confidence, your mojo. So now, as we've been told, and I think we can assume Yelich is as healthy as he's been probably since the end of the season in 2019 before he broke his kneecap, that now it's about building a rhythm, building confidence, building cockiness. And I think you need to be the right amount of cocky as a sports star. You need to have so much belief in yourself when you go up there, right, that you might just actually work out. You know how hard it is to hit a baseball? You're not going to hit it. Are you kidding me? It's going 100 miles an hour. But you need to believe going up there. I, I'm going to hit this. Damn right. Damn right I'm going to hit this. Right? Confidence compounds on itself. Like interest. I'm not a financial advisor, but I, I get the idea of compounding interest. This is why uh, a Roth a Roth IRA is uh, so, so profitable, right? That's why you want to start it when you're young because it, compounds on itself over time and it takes years and years and years but once you get up there oh, oh, oh boy now it starts compounding on itself it starts growing exponentially confidence is the same way right you might experience this in your job or some aspect of your life where if you have an awesome day it's easier to get up the next day and do it again maybe even better and then if you take a step up do it better the next day well then it's easier the day after that to do it again and take another step up right you get what I mean? 
With my show, if I have a really good show, think of football season, right? We live or die with the Packers. We come in on Monday. We react to the game. Then on Tuesday, we talk to Mike Clements about the game. Then on Wednesday, we're kind of hanging out. We're just kind of floating. And then Thursday, Friday, we're previewing the next game. The rhythm of the week is all about the Packers in the fall and in football season, right? Well, if I have a great show on Monday, it feels like the week's going to fly by. Oh, my God, we have so much to talk about. This is so interesting. That thing is so interesting. I can't wait to come back the next day and talk about it. So if I have a great show on Monday, it's easier to come back on Tuesday and do it again. But if I have a tough show on Monday, it's like, oh, what am I going to talk about the rest of the week? What are we going to do? Right? I get in here on Tuesday and I turn the mic on. It feels like I'm having, already having to dig myself out of a hole. Right? Confidence compounds on itself. And I think frustration also compounds on itself. Right? So if Yelich has a bad month, it's easy to turn that into another bad month. Hopefully this is turning the ship around in the ocean. And once it gets going, it just keeps going and going and Yelich continues to play well and better and better and hit for more power, more production, more home runs, more RBIs, all that stuff the Brewers really need from him. Let's talk to Daryl, 608-796-2558. What's up, Daryl? Welcome. Well, first of all, let me tell you is that what I've always said to all, all the people I've ever coached or worked around or all that as far as it goes is that you have to believe yourself. You have to believe to achieve because if you don't, you simply won't. Yeah. If you're okay, that's the, that's what I've been teaching for all whatever I coach as far as runners or or uh, helping out with football teams or whatever else. You have to believe first that you're able to do this because if you don't, no matter how else I coach you and the technique and stuff like that, if you don't believe it, you're not going to do it. It's that simple. Now for for Yellage, if his back, his knee, and everything else is bothering him. Just like golf golfer or anybody else, as far as it goes, if you if you don't if you know that that nagging thing is nagging you, it's going to take that belief in your what you're trying to do and kind of take it away from you. Same thing. Same thing. Hate to say this, we're talking about in the case of one center for the Milwaukee Bucks. He couldn't play because of that back, but yeah. once he was able to recover. And once he was able to get a rhythm himself and believe that he could actually overcome the back and that the back was no longer going to become an issue, look at what he's doing on the court. Just that same kind of thought. You have to start with belief because if you don't believe, no one else will. You have to do it first. Okay? So, I mean, this is what makes the star athletes different from all the other athletes. They believe in themselves, even if it's cockiness to a degree. Okay. I mean, they know what they are able to do because they keep doing it, keep doing it. And that in that um, reputation of doing it makes that belief even stronger than it was before. So the continuing belief in, in their ability to do things is what makes it work. One more thing I have to throw in. Yeah, go ahead. I don't, I don't think the Packers should take a wide receiver in a, in, a, in a wide receiver deep draft in the first round unless this guy drops to us so awesomely that uh, you couldn't believe that he was there at number 22. All right. I like that. I would still – okay. The reason I say that is because if you're looking at the other positions, now it – you know, they're bringing in people left and right to look at uh, as far as it goes, as far as in Green Bay. But I would say this. You have to plan ahead. You have to plan and look at your board. Now, the Packers are going to look at all these players as far as it goes. But Monday morning when they get into the office, 
they're going to start putting the grades together. Mm-hmm. And that's with all the scouting notes and all the other things that come into play. Having been in a, been in a war room once, you know that they have to put this together so that they know exactly what they're looking at per position and, per, and across the board as far as uh, overall. What is the best talent available? That was the Ron, how Ron Wolf did it, and that's how Ted Thompson tried to do it. And I'm hoping that Brian does the same thing. You gotta you gotta keep making sure that your talent meets the grade that you're evaluating, the talent that you need on the team, and what the coaches need on that team. It's all you know. That's why you bring the coaches in on Tuesday because your yeah. scouts have to tell you everything on Monday. All right. Daryl, before I let you go, have you worked as a motivational speaker or something? This is this has been riveting. Um, no, I do. I work as a motivational speaker. No, but I have I have a, been an assistant coach in various ways, or uh, I've coached um, uh, younger kids as far as it goes, stuff like that. Right. So yeah, I I've done that kind of stuff, and I, I've worked in various uh, places as far as it goes. Um, and I, I know when, even when I have uh, issues at my job at times, I have to remember what I'm capable of doing and remembering myself, what, what I have to believe to achieve to get the job done. Believe to achieve. I love it, Daryl, because if you don't, you won't. I'm ready to run through a brick wall right now. Let's take a break. We'll come back. Thank you, Daryl, for the call. We'll talk more about this, and I want to get into some NBA stuff as well before the show is over. Wisco Sports Show back in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, my name is Grant Bills. Excuse me. I was texting a friend over the break. Uh, I should have used that time to take a drink of water. I will do that now. Give me one moment. I apologize. Yep. That's better. That's the ticket. Give me a call or a text. 608-796-2558. can reach me on Twitter as well. Give me a follow, a tweet. You block me if you hate me, whatever. But if you want to reach out, I'm on Twitter. At Wisco Grant. Rock and Rick. I saw you calling in. Now we're back on air. I'd love to take the call. Uh, give me a ring because I have a feeling you want to talk Brewers. So, Rock and Rick, if you want to talk Brewers, I would love to do that before we get into the NBA, which is what I want to do next. So, what I want to avoid here, Rock and Rick, is I talk about the Warriors for sixty seconds, and then you call me, and then we go back to Brewers, and then it's you know it's it's clunky. Um, I'm not going to sit here and wait for the phone to ring. Um, Here's what we'll do. Let's hear from Craig Council one more time. That's a good way to kill 20 seconds in case we're going to get a call. Here's Craig Council. Don't make too much of last night. I think we're really early in the season here. You know, I mean, I, I understand why everybody wants, we all want, you know, to see good things from him. Um, and it was, he did it. He had, a good, he had a nice game. They had a really good game tonight. But I, just let's let him play and, and, and see where we're at. And he's doing a nice job. Had a big night tonight and huge hit. I know that this Grand Slam doesn't guarantee anything. It doesn't mean Yelich is about to get hot doesn't mean he's about to turn into an MVP again. But I'd rather have him hitting home runs and doubles than striking out and rolling grounders over to first. You know what I mean? Like, it's better than the alternative. 
This is something that I liked to hear. I suppose it could be a lie, but I don't think it is about Yelich giving everything every day. I think all he can do is put everything on the table every day to, to, to be the best player that he can. And, and that, he does that every single day. And that, that's all you can ask from a player. You know, there's no question that we need him to perform to reach our goals. But, but he's doing everything he can every day to, to, to try to get there and to try to be that productive hitter that uh, he, he knows he's capable of. All right, so I like hearing that. Before we take this next break, I want to say like three or four minutes on a game that I watched last night. Earlier in the show, I mentioned I did not know Ben Gamble was on the Pirates. And then I got a bunch of texts about, well, he hit last night in the ninth inning. Weren't you watching? I was not watching. I switched over to basketball. I was watching Warriors Nuggets, uh, which I eventually watched the end in bed. If you've been listening to the whole show, I've basically laid out my entire last 24 hours for you. Um, So I was watching Warriors Nuggets last night. If you don't watch the NBA and you want to, but you don't know how to, and you're like, I don't know who any of these guys are. I don't know what I should focus on. Well, watch the Bucks because they're a hometown team. But three things that you should watch if you're trying to get in the NBA. Giannis, Anthony Edwards, who plays for the Timberwolves, and the Golden State Warriors. Watch those three things. Now, you can watch other teams as well, but if you're just, if you're just getting started out, I would recommend those three things. Giannis, Anthony Edwards, and the Golden State Warriors. Giannis is unbelievable. He's a highlight machine, and he's trying all the time offense and defense. Same with Anthony Edwards. And the Golden State Warriors are just electric to watch. When they're humming and clicking on all cylinders, I don't know if there's anything quite like it in sports. And they were humming last night. They look like the Harlem Globetrotters. They were clowning Denver. I was watching, as I said earlier, in bed. I had my laptop. And I wrote this down after a play in the third quarter. This maybe helps describe what I was feeling in the moment. It doesn't make perfect grammatical sense, but I'll read it. When the Warriors are on, they don't even shoot. They just flip the ball around and eventually direct it into the basket. And then I wrote in parentheses, third quarter, Draymond literally bats the ball to the top of the key. Steph flips it into the corner, and I swear to God, Clay barely even touches the ball before shooting the corner three. Like, it moves around so quickly. You know how when you watch hockey and they're passing it around and they're trying to get a shot? It's not like baseball where you throw the ball to someone and you catch it and it stops moving. And then you grab it and you do it again. Hockey, you're basically just redirecting the puck around, right? And if someone's shooting off an assist, they're not stopping the puck and starting it again. They're redirecting it. And when the Warriors are humming like they were humming last night, that's kind of how they work. They work like a hockey team. They're redirecting the ball. They're not passing. It's just redirecting. The ball's always moving. It's just getting redirected and batted around. And then obviously, eventually, someone has to put it up and take a shot. Jokic got tossed last night. This was Nuggets coach Michael Malone after the game. This kind of previews what I want to talk about next after the next break. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I told Nicola, I said, as frustrated as you are with your referees, and and I I feel his frustration, you know, I really do. Um, I think he's getting fouled. Like, he thinks he's getting fouled. He's not getting the call. But he has to find a way to play through that. Um, You know, he's way too valuable, way too important for our team to be in the locker room watching the end of a game. And also as a leader of this team, he's got to show guys in adverse times when things aren't going your way, you got to find a way to fight through it, be mentally tough. And that, that's going to be a challenge for him moving forward. Um, and same thing with Will DeMarcus. It's, for me, I know it's coming from a good place and sometimes how you handle those situations, but uh, we just have to find a way to be 
uh, just more mentally tough and more poised. When things went awry tonight, we lost our composure. We lost our poise. The Warriors were so good, and they were playing in such a way, and the crowd was reacting in such a way that the Nuggets just kind of cracked. They started fighting on the bench. Nikola Jokic got ejected, and that's what I want to talk about coming up next. I don't like that Nikola Jokic is about to win another MVP. I'm I'm not even going to go so far as to say that he doesn't deserve it. That's not my issue with it. I just hate how this is played out. And I will do my best to explain. And I, and I hate where I'm coming from with this because I'm I'm Mr. Analytics guy. I'm not whiny. I'm not old man yells at crowd about analytics. I love advanced numbers. That's how we get smarter. That's how we understand what matters and what doesn't. The advanced numbers and the metrics and the statistics with Jokic, I don't know. I think maybe we've gone a little bit too far. I will talk about that coming up next. I want to talk about this series and why I'm I'm not exactly thrilled that Nikola Jokic is going to win a back-to-back MVP. Let's do that next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. My name is Grant Bills. Why does my voice sound so bad today? <clears throat> my name is Grant Bills. Thank you for being here. You can text and call 608-796-2558. Twitter at Wisco Grant as well. I want to talk about a couple NBA things. Tonight's slate of games is pretty good. I just wish the Wolves and the Grizzlies were on national TV because the early game is Hawks Heat and then the late game on TNT is Pelican Suns, which... I mean, I guess it depends on your perspective. That series isn't going to be close. The Suns are so much better, but also some of you might enjoy watching that because you like watching how good the Suns are, and I I vibe with that too. I understand that. I just think the Wolves and the Grizzlies are going to be one of the more competitive series. Maybe that we have all playoffs. Maybe that's wishful thinking. Um, Grizzlies basically got to win tonight. They can't lose two games both at home to start the series. The Wolves intrigue me. I'm going to have to talk more about the Wolves on Thursday. In the NBA Lounge. I'm already looking forward to that. The first NBA Playoffs NBA Lounge. God, it's going to be electric. I can't wait. I want to talk about a game last night. Why don't I pull up the score and the stats just so I have it in front of me. I don't think we're going to need it, but I might as well pull it up uh, now before we get into a conversation here. And then I got to pause to get it up. Last night, Warriors win 126-106. And they take a 2 nothing lead over the Nuggets. Now, remember, the Warriors are the three seed. The Nuggets are the six. So they should be winning these games. But in our preview last week, and I stand by this, I said that this was a must-win series for both of these teams. Now, go back a week, right? We've seen these two teams bawling, hooping. Well, the Warriors, we've seen them, and they look great. They look better right now than they've looked in months, which has changed our perception a little bit. But last week, we're like, well, Steph's not back. He's not right. Clay hasn't looked good. Draymond hasn't looked good. Denver needed to win this series, right? Because Jokic is going another MVP. He can't lose in the first round. And the Warriors seemed a little bit injured, a little bit beaten up. The Warriors needed to win this because Steph's not getting younger. Clay's not getting younger. Draymond's not getting younger. Nobody's getting cheaper, right? And the Warriors have this huge tax bill. This is a must-win series for both of these teams. And last night, the Warriors just beating the brakes off of the Nuggets. Nikola Jokic gets ejected. It was... It was a gong show, and I want to talk about why. I'm a little bummed. I'm a little irked 
that Nikola Jokic is going to win a back-to-back MVP, and we can talk about why, and I can kind of tell you how I feel here in a minute. First, let's talk to Vagabond John. Vagabond John, welcome to the show. What's up? Grant, it's so funny that you uh, led the, the phone call intro with that because I have not been listening today. I actually just got off work. Yeah. But I saw your tweet about you being disappointed and I have been in a fairly furious texting argument with my friends all day <laughs> about how I think Jokic is probably or Jokic. I cannot pronounce his name. Yeah, Nikola Jokic. No, it's all good. I get it. Jok Jokic. Yeah, we'll get there. Um, I think he's the most overrated NBA MVP we've had, and here's why. Right? If you so a lot of a lot of people listening are football fans, mm-hmm. and if you take away. Uh, let's say Robert Tunyon, Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard, mm-hmm. I think you would expect overall Aaron Jones' yards and production mm-hmm. probably to go up. Yep. If you take away uh, you know, production on these team sport games, the other the other player's production is gonna go up. And my argument was I don't even know if this guy's the best player on his team. Because last time they had a full team, his teammate was the one going off for 50, not him. Yeah, Jamal Murray in the bubble. In the bubble. The bubble's kind of weird, but I... I know what you mean with volume. I I guess the the one pushback to that... Now i got to defend Jokic. God, this is not what I wanted to do. The the one pushback to that is, like, there are players that aren't up to that added workload, right? Like, Nikola Jokic, it's not a given that he was going to be this amazing. And his scoring and assists and rebounds are all fantastic, but that doesn't begin to tell the story with him. If he was a lesser center, like Hassan Whiteside wouldn't be able to do what he's doing, even with the volume and the opportunity. With me, I just, I'm just so uninspired, right? I understand that Nikola Jokic's team is not that good, right? But after the game last night, I see all these people on Twitter saying, this just proves that Jokic is the MVP, right? Look at how bad this team is. No, I don't, I don't like that. I, it shouldn't work that way. We've always said that it should work that way, but I don't think it, I don't think it should. And I, I would go off that and say, if his team's not that bad, why does he single-handedly, without playing the most minutes in game one, he got taken out early, in game two, obviously, ejected with the foul trouble. Uh, he has not played the most minutes, and he has the worst plus and minus on his team through yeah. two games. So his team, when he's on the court, does worse than when he's not on the court. That, to me, and I'm a hockey guy, so that's where the plus and minus comes in. I yeah. know that it's not as big as basketball. I use it to, I mean, don't even get me started applying it to college basketball. But, I mean, that's a that's a telling stat to me where his team goes worse, and I think it's on the defensive end. And my frustration with the NBA is that the regular season is for, like, you know, we all remember those kids in, in gym class, and I probably was guilty of it at some times, where they're just going 110%. And everyone else is like, hey, I put on my shorts today. I just want to get through this class, hope the teacher doesn't really notice me. Yeah. I don't want to sweat too hard before my English class. I feel like that's how most of the NBA approaches, uh, you know, the regular season. Mm-hmm. And then you have guys like Giannis and guys like, uh, you know, Nikolai, where it's just they're going 110% all regular season. But to your point, <clears throat> I think we're seeing that he his shoulders are not broad enough. I like your point, yes. Is he a great player in the NBA? Of course. He is not in my top 10, though. You know, if we're going to compare him, and that's the thing, is if, if he's not even in the top five of most people's, like, current players in the NBA, what the heck is business does he have doing winning an MVP? 
And then lastly, last question I have. Yeah. When is the last time back-to-back MVP did not make the conference finals? Because I did some research, and I could not find it. I don't care who your team was. Giannis made it to the conference finals. Steph Curry obviously won. LeBron obviously won. So back-to-back MVP and to not even get to a conference finals in those MVP years, I understand prior year they did with Jamal Murray, but... Mm -hmm. um, Bubble, That's though, uh, I'm not. I'm going to take you too much stock in the bubble. Uh, John, I want to talk about all these things. So for the sake of not forgetting them and losing my way, I'm going to let you go now as much as I'd like to keep chatting, and then I want to address some of these things, okay? All right. Sounds good. We'll talk to you later. Yeah, have a good night, man. That's Vagabond John. Okay, so you talk about back-to-back MVPs not making the conference finals. Okay, I'm not sure about that, but I do want to share this with you, and we talked about this two weeks ago, Okay. Jokic winning back-to-back MVPs. It's different than winning one MVP. Back-to-back MVPs, it's a very exclusive club. There's only a small handful of guys that have ever done it, and they're all Pantheon guys. Bill Russell, who won three in a row. Wilt run three in a row. And Kareem, who went back-to-back twice. He did it in Milwaukee and in L.A. So there's three guys. They're in their own tier of of either three-peating or going back-to-back twice. LeBron also went back-to-back twice, once in Cleveland and once in Miami, so put him in that category. Then you have guys who've gone back-to-back once. Moses Malone, Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, Tim Duncan, Steve Nash, Steph Curry, and Giannis. We already look at Steve Nash as the outlier of this group. Already. Right? We look back and said, oh, Steve Nash really wanted over Kobe. Like, I don't know. Was he supposed to get back-to-back once? So the group is Pantheon guys and Steve Nash, who's very good but is the obvious outlier, as Nikola Jokic would be if you put him in this group, which we're about to. Now, Vagabond John, you talk about back-to-back MVPs not making the conference finals. I don't have that, but I do have all 66 league MVPs and where they've finished in the playoffs, and I'm going to break it down for you, okay? 23 times the league MVPs won the title. Nine times they've lost in the finals. 20 times they've lost in the conference finals. Eight times lost in the semis, five times lost in the first round, and didn't make the playoffs once. And I believe that was Kareem, if I remember correctly, which I wasn't there, but I remember from reading this correctly, it was Kareem. I was not alive in the 70s. So five times out of 66 total league MVPs has that league MVP not made it out of the first round. He's going to get swept at this rate, okay? And I get there's no Michael Porter Jr. And I get there's no Jamal Murray. But guess what? You win back-to-back MVPs and you have two really underwhelming playoff exits. I don't know that I want to give you the benefit of nuance. I don't know if it works that way. And we've reached this with Aaron Rodgers too. Nuance has started to go out the window with Aaron Rodgers. Have you you seen this? And, And even leave the scope of this show. Go to First Take. Go to Colin Cowherd's show. Go to... Go to... Bill Michaels show, hell. Or you can use the show as an example as well. We have stopped giving Aaron Rodgers the privilege of nuance. If you win a bunch of MVPs and we see how brilliant you are, if you come up short in the playoffs, we're not going to give you the benefit of the doubt, right? Like with Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's offensive line wasn't very good, okay? And in the Super Bowl, that became obvious, obvious, and we looked at that and said, okay, great season for Joe Burrow. He needs a little bit better offensive line. If a player or two go differently, you know, they might win that game. And we got to take it easy on Joe Burrow, who's very young, doesn't have personal, you know, individual accolades, anything like that. With Aaron Rodgers, who has never won back-to-back MVPs, but won it in 2011, 2014, 
2020 and now 2021, we have become so saturated with the individual awards for Rodgers. He's been uplifted to such this level with four MVPs, and he's one of the few men to have ever win that many MVPs. The nuance goes out the window. If you listen to Cowherd or national shows, or you listen to this show, we don't really dwell on the, the special teams gaffes in that playoff game. We don't really dwell on it. Some do. Most don't. Most people boil it down to, yeah, the Packers weren't perfect. Special teams weren't perfect. But, Rodgers, you're the back-to-back MVP. You got to be good enough. In in the, the semifinals against the Niners. We're talking about the Super Bowl. If that happens in the Super Bowl, maybe we're having a different conversation. But it didn't. It happened against the Niners at home. It's like, yeah, the special teams weren't perfect, man. But you got to be better. Same with Patrick Mahomes. Well, you, dude, your defense isn't perfect, but you got to make some of these throws. And we'd say the same with Tom Brady. We'd say the same with any quarterback that has reached such a level and won so many awards where they don't really get the benefit of nuance because you're expected to be larger than life. You are played up to be, and you're decorated to be so good that you don't get the benefit. Like, we're not going to nitpick. We're not going to nitpick Nikola Jokic and say, yeah, well, Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray aren't there. Of course he lost in the first round. Okay, it's one thing to lose in the first round. It's another to get swept, and it's another to get swept as they look like they might with you getting ejected for a game, man. Come on. He got tossed against Phoenix last year in the second round when he was getting blitzed out of the playoffs after winning his first MVP. MVPs don't do that, okay? And look, Kareem won an MVP back in the day without even making the playoffs. It was even rarer back then. It would be almost impossible now, right? There are five MVPs over the last 66 award winners, and there are repeats in there, so obviously there's not 66 different winners, but 66 winners over the course of NBA history, five of them have lost in the first round. It has happened, but it can't happen like this. If the Warriors beat Nikola Jokic in the Nuggets, and I'm supposed to accept this, and it's supposed to sit right with me that this guy is winning back-to-back MVPs despite getting blown away in the playoffs, that doesn't sit right with me. I will only accept a first-round exit if the Warriors barely escape and they walk away from that series going, oh, man, I we barely, that guy almost got us, right? Like, you know how Kevin Durant basically almost single-handedly took down the Bucks in the second round last year? If Nikola Jokic were to do that, okay. Go six or seven games and leave us thinking, jeez, that guy almost did it. That son of a bitch, he almost did it. You know what I mean? Jokic isn't doing this. They're not even close. They're not even close. And I am not against advanced metrics, advanced stats, analytics, sabermetrics, whatever you want to call it. I'm, I'm all for that. Give me box score plus minus. Give me defensive win shares. Give, give it all of it. I'll take all of it. But I got a little triggered last night looking through Twitter and reading rundowns of this game and, and reading columns from people, especially analytics people who are saying things like, this series is only proving why Jokic is the MVP. Look at how bad this team is. Mm, no. <laughs> Just no. No, I'm not going to accept that. Sorry. I'm not going to accept that. Otherwise, in 2019, Aaron Rodgers would have been the MVP. It's like, holy balls, look at... look, look at How did this Packers team get to the, the NFC title game? This seems terrible. Nobody walked away from that game praising Aaron Rodgers. 2016, we didn't walk away from that game praising Aaron Rodgers. We said, what the hell, man? You laid a big fat goose egg. We didn't say, oh, this team wasn't any good. He should be the MVP. I, I just, the whole Jokic thing to me is toxic. And 
Part of it is bad luck, too. Part of it is just happenstance. Last year, Embiid missed games, and the Bucks just had to be absorbing, you know, Drew Holiday and a new guy. So, like, there were extenuating circumstances that led to Jokic winning back-to-back MVPs that weren't the fault of Jokic or even the voters. I don't think anyone loved how the MVP race went down last year. All I'm saying is, is I, I watch Nuggets Warriors, I'm like, this is the guy that we're going to put in the upper echelon, the top of the top, the pantheon of players who have won back-to-back MVPs. This guy's going to go in there, and he's got one playoff series win to his name over the last two years. Again, nuance goes out the window. When you're good enough to win multiple MVPs, especially back-to-back, I don't care that Michael Porter Jr. or Jamal Murray aren't playing. You're supposed to be better, and the Nuggets just haven't been better, and then he gets objected to boot. I'm just, I'm, I'm against this, strongly against this MVP. And it's not because I love Embiid or Giannis as an MVP either. I mean, I like them both, but it's not like there's another slam dunk candidate. I just hate the way that this is going. As a fan of the league, really. Let's take a break. Wrap up the Wisco Sports Show in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. The Wisco Sports Show, proudly brought to you by Tactical Irrigation Services. Sports Show, final segment. Got a text here from the other guy. Two texts. One I love, one I hate. 608-796-2558. First text says, I agree with you. Jokic isn't putting up anywhere close to an MVP fight. This is a good text. I like that take. This is what I'm saying, right? Jokic's team is not very good. And he did a great job carrying this team, putting up numbers and being productive all season long in a way that really only he can because he's so complete. He's well-rounded. He does everything. Okay. MVPs have lost in the playoffs before in the first and second round. Five times over the course of 66 league MVPs has the player lost in the first round. I don't know about back-to-back. That number's probably a little bit less. I don't know how many times... For example, Bill Russell won an MVP and lost in the first round, or Wilt, or Kareem, or Moses Malone, or Magic, or Jordan, or Duncan, or Curry, or Giannis. That's who we're talking about with back-to-back MVPs. I don't know how often they did it, but it has happened with MVPs, and Jokic is an interesting circumstance, right? Right, because his team's not very good with injuries. But it can't look like this, right? I hated everyone last night after the game who was saying, Oh, well, uh, this just proves why Jokic is the MVP. Man, he got tossed. He's losing his cool out there, right? If an MVP is going down, they need to go down swing. I said the way that Kevin Durant lost, he almost single-handedly led the Nets to a victory over the Bucks last year. Almost. If Jokic were to almost do that and lose in the first round, then it's different, but that's not what this looks like. Now, the next text from the other guy triggers me to no end. He said if KD had the correct shoe size, he would have done it against the Bucks last year. We don't do this in anything else. We, we do not do this in any other sports argument ever, right? Well, what if there was a split-second difference in 2016 between Andre Godala's layup and LeBron's block? Then it's a goaltend. We never talk about that. What about Julian Edelman's catch in the Super Bowl against the Falcons? Well, if the grass was an inch longer. Yeah, but it wasn't. And we don't talk about it for good reason. What about... Ben Roethlisberger's throw in the Super Bowl against the Cardinals to the back corner of the end zone. Well, it was just by an inch. If his toe would have been an inch longer, yeah, but it's not. We don't talk about it. You get my point? Why do we do this? Chris Taylor's catch against the Dodgers, or Chris Taylor's catch against the Brewers for the Dodgers in 2018. 
It's a game of inches. We say game of inches all the time. That's how sports work. And yeah, when Kevin Durant's toe comes up, it's like, well, if the three-point line would have bent in slightly where he was shooting from, then the Nets would have won. Yeah. And if I had wheels, I'd be a wagon. But this is the only its the only sports conversation we use this argument for, and it's bizarre. Kevin Durant's got big feet. You know who else has big feet? Literally every man in the NBA because they're huge human beings, and they have been their entire life. You know what I mean? And now the other guy's found up. I don't mean to beat you up. I know what you're saying. Kevin Durant, your point is Kevin Durant almost did it. Yes, you're right. Kevin Durant almost single-handedly led his team over the Bucks last year, and they lost in the second round. No one walked away from that series thinking, you know who is a little overrated? You know who we might have hyped up too much? Kevin Durant. No one said that. People are going to say that about Jokic because he's going down like a whiny baby getting ejected because Draymond Green, of all people, is getting in his grill. Don't let Draymond Green piss you off. Draymond Green's got thrown out of NBA Finals himself. Why are you letting great Draymond Green tilt you? It's bizarre. It's just a bad look. That's all. And as a fan of the league, as a fan of history, I look at Bill Russell, Wilt, Kareem, Moses Malone, Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, Tim Duncan, LeBron, Curry, and Giannis, and Steve Nash. And I think, yeah, I don't know if I don't know if Jokic belongs in there. I yeah, I don't I don't know if he should be in there. I don't know if that's a group that should include Nikola Jokic. And part of it is luck, because last year was so weird, shortened season, the pandy, I, I get it. Injuries, games missed due to COVID, all that. Yeah. I just, I don't know. He doesn't belong in that group. And the fact that he's going into that group, it just makes me feel like we're we're doing a disservice to the future of the league, the history of the league. Okay, that's enough. Tomorrow, Mike Renner going to be here to talk drafts. We'll talk more NBA as well. Some fun games tonight. Talk to you tomorrow. Of course.